What are you going to tell us, tough guy? See, my usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> We're going to give this round two. It's the Pop Culture Podcast. I just spoke for a minute 30 and realized it wasn't even recording. And I'll tell you what, it was a, uh, it was a bloody good introduction as well. I, I think it was one of, the, one of the best. I got about 20 seconds in. I thought, I'm on fire today. And then my camera switched off. I thought, hang on a second. This is a really important tool for this podcast. In order to have this recorded, this camera needs to be, it needs to be on. And I tell you, it's an important... It's an important podcast that's coming to you from the uh, the Popplestone studio this week. We've got a lot of news to cover. We've got a lot of information to get through. But first of all, I'm going to start you with a little track that my mum sent me. Jazz is back. You know, if you had 25 minutes, I would uh, sit here playing it to you. But the truth is, uh, you know, for the purpose of time... I can't give you the whole thing. Who have we got here? Alan Toussaint. Blue drag if you're interested. And that was it. How beautiful is the timing just there. Alan Toussaint sounds French, could be French. Not sure, it looks like an African man on the cover. Understand that African men do live in in France. However, had a bit more of a retro look. I was going to guess sort of... uh, Mid fifties America. I'm not sure. I've made a lot of uh, I've made a lot of stereotypes just in the first. You know, we've been going now for about a minute fifty, and uh, there's a chance this could get re- get removed from YouTube, which you you can't be too careful of. I had to fight a strike this week. It would have been my second strike on YouTube for apparently not following the community guidelines, which you can't be too careful. You can't be, especially with a podcast of this size where where the masses come to you looking for their information, looking for their entertainment. It's a big, uh, it's a big burden to bear, and, and it's one that I take with great seriousness. So I, uh, you know, I'm doing my best to stay around for you because uh, I get thousands of messages a week saying, Tice, how, I don't know how I'll do it without you. And I say, look, I don't know what you're going through in a small Spanish city where the Wi-Fi connection's weak, but... Uh, but I'm glad I can be here for you. How has your week been? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. Just to get us right and right into into the best mood for the start of this podcast. This week, I've been listening to Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis because uh, as a child, my mum thought it was a better idea to introduce me to things like The Simpsons. And so every now and then, my wife says to me, she goes, you did not have a childhood. She goes, have you listened to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I said, sweetie, I have. Well, I have. It was Zoom. You know, I was trying to impress her. I would say I had, but the truth was I hadn't because I, you know, I, I didn't want her to think I, I, I lacked culture. Do you know, she'd say, what was your favorite childhood uh, cartoon? And I said, I'm, I'm not sure, but Melrose Place was great. She said, that was a, like a highly sexual TV show. Am I, am I wrong? I said, no, you're, you're correct. It was a really, a really great storyline. And she said, okay, come on, babe. Like there had to be something with a little bit more culture. I said, babe, Ricky Lake was my thing. And so I'm, I'm making up for lost time and I'm... Uh, I'm delving into the world of C.S. Lewis, and here's the problem. I finished it last night, and I thought it was shit. And I'm a huge fan of him. And I know it says more about me than it does about him. I think it was the narrator. Because I'm, 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 I'm a bit of an audible fan. I, I spend so much time in my car that for me, uh, I get through a lot of books that way. But the, the narrator, uh, you know, the narrator is, it's make or break. It could be a good storyline, but if the narrator gets too into it or not into it enough, 
or the Indian. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's not because I don't like Indians. It's just because I've I've listened to a couple with some real thick accents, and I just can't quite make out what they say. And it just makes that when you're in the car, you 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 know your attention needs to be focused on the road. You can't be trying to interpret what what a bloke from Goa is is trying to pronounce. And so I've had to I've had to return a couple of books because of that, which is hard at Audible as well because a lot of the customer service reps are Indian. You feel like you're attacking their people. You go, look, here's the thing. I don't want to. I don't want this book. I want to return it. They say, okay, no worries. Have you got a reason for the return? I say, okay, well, um, it was the. It was actually the narrator. I wasn't a big fan of his voice. He goes, oh, and just for a little more clarification, uh, where was the narrator from? Do you think? I said, a hundred percent India. Uh, there's probably a good chance uh, it could have been a neighbor of yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you ever read a book for Audible? <laughs> because if I'm so sorry if it was you that read it, and so. Uh, and so you can't be too careful. I just finished one. I got, I got, maybe it's me. I got about, there's a book that went for 27 hours, which is a long time, Wild Swan. It looked at like the, uh, it was a, it was an autobiography of a lady growing, growing up in China through like the, the 40s and 50s and up to the 70s, I think. And uh, beautiful voice. So I really wish I liked that book more. I'm not sure. There's a good chance I need to be more cultured. So here we go. A, a quote book of the great man, C.S. Lewis, to kickstart. We've got you in the groove with a little bit of a, a little bit of music. And now I'm going to give you a quote, which is linked under the title Anxiety. Here it is. The first thing when one is being worried as to whether one will have an operation or whether one is a literary failure is to assume absolutely mercilessly that the worst is true. And to ask, what then? If it turns out in the end that the worst is not true, so much the better. But for the meantime, the question must be resolutely put out of mind. Otherwise, your thoughts merely go round and round in a wearisome circle. Now hopeful, now despondent, then hopeful again. There, uh, That way, madness lies. Having settled down that the worst is true, one can proceed and consider the situation. Bang. So C.S. Lewis coming at you with a gold mine at the start of the Pop Culture Podcast in this third week of February 2022. Don't say we don't bring the goods here because I've just bought two goods and we're off to a flying start. Uh, my week has been a, my week has been a good week. I had friends over the last couple of days. One of my friends, great bloke, his name's Joash, really, really like him. He, uh, uh, to be honest, I think we've been exposed to each other more because our wives are very good friends. But... During the exposure to each other of our wives being good, being very good friends, I've realised I've got a man crush on the guy. I like him coming here. We, uh, he's he's a conspiracy guy for sure. There's nothing that ever happened that he believed is the way. You say, hey, did the moon landing happen? He says, nope. That's what he says. I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just saying that's what he says. And then you start delving into a couple of other... Con- just, hey, you insert the conspiracy that you are, you know, slightly interested in. Twin Towers... We're talking moonwalk, we're talking chemtrails, we're talking flat earth, we're talking... I'm triggering the stroke machine on YouTube right now, but YouTube, if you're listening, I'm simply referring to a friend of mine. This is by no means my own personal opinion because I I would never hold such, uh, such views that would bring so much uh, uh, discredit into this household, let alone your, your beautiful platform. And so he was over this weekend. We had some really interesting conversations, and it's interesting. I know I delve into this. I delve into this mode of what do you call it? It's devil's advocate. Where even if it's something I agree with, all of a sudden I catch myself continually going, "Ah, but what about this?" 
And it must be a pain in the ass, but it's such an interesting way to have a conversation. I uh, I saw a look in his eyes at one stage, which it suggested that he was really looking forward to to going home, leaving the Popplestone residence and, and dodging a little bit of the heat that I was throwing his way. But uh, truth was, he's a smart guy. He seemed to handle it very well. And so... Uh, and so it was a beautiful end to a beautiful weekend. So Monday afternoon, we're back. Fresh start with a brand new week. I've got some stuff that I want to cover with you today. Look, I always bring a notebook here. I've got a notebook filled with ideas. And the truth is, I, I can't quite pick which place to start today because there's a, I mean, there's gold. There's gold everywhere is what I say. It's one of the most popular comments that ever get uh, gets brought up on this podcast. Tyus, how do you handle so much gold and not sink? The quality of your production is incredible. It's impeccable. Your speech is fantastic. That's not true. I told a I told a bloke the other day down at the beach that uh, came up to me with his kid and said, "Hey, can my kid pat your dog?" I said, "No worries, he's completely flaccid." He said, "Mate, do you mean placid?" I said, "Look, I think I told you this joke last week, so I'm just gonna uh, just gonna pretend that didn't happen. We'll just <laughs> we'll just move forward." That happens to me a lot. Like you get halfway into a story and you go, "Where am I going here?" I was talking to a bloke down here at the beach the other day. And uh, he, he simply asked me, how was it down there? He wanted to know how the water was. And I got into some rant, which it astonished me at the detail that I went into to answer such a simple question. And I could see his face glaze over, but I was halfway through the sentence. I could feel the tension building because my wife was thinking, how does he escape from this? I was thinking, I don't know where we're going. And both of the guys, they had, you, you know when you look into a person's eyes and you can just see they're looking for a way to exit the conversation without being rude? I saw that early and I still had a minute left of my answer and it happened to me yesterday. So in case you don't know, I always refer to the beach just across the road because in Point Lonsdale, the town where I reside, there's not a whole heap to do but walk along the beach. It's a, it's an elderly town. It's the uh, it's the entrance to the bay, the Port Phillip Bay where all the big ships come in. They, uh, they, they're heading towards Melbourne, but they, they've got to come through here first. So the entertainment in Point Lonsdale is walk along the path and watch the ships come in watch the occasional dolphin jump, or just go for a swim. They're your options. And uh, and so a lot of people in Point Lonsdale, they have the same approach. They do the same thing. And yesterday, uh, uh, with a number of witnesses, we were walking along the, the beach path, and I saw a rat, which had, it had clearly been run over by a bike because there's no other prey around here. There's no other way that a, a rat could die on the beach path of Point Lonsdale. And so that's exactly what was happening. We were walking along. I saw the rat. And uh, and we kept walking. I'm not kidding. 100 meters further, I saw a lady holding a chihuahua, a little tiny chihuahua. And I, I, I didn't say anything to the guys, but I, I made a mental note that I was going to impress them with my ability to humor people, even that I don't know. I want to bring people together with laughter. And that is what I attempted to do here. And I said, hey, 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 miss. And she goes, oh, hey, how you going? I said, just be careful. One of those just got run over 100 meters back there. And she said, a chihuahua? I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, my God. Wow, I was just try. I was like, no, no, don't. Let's not get too deep into it, because then you know it's it's going to subtract from the joke. I just want you to get a hundred meters ahead, see the dead rat, and see that I was joking about the fact that your dog looked like a rat. But this lady got worried, and as a result of her worried, the the company that I was with, Flick, Joash, and Jesse, my wife, looked at me and said, "Toss, stop." And but but I couldn't because I was too far into the joke. I had to really commit, and so I did. And it got worse and worse for everyone until the lady went quiet, turned around, and just walked away. And I, I it was an incredibly embarrassing moment. One, do you ever have those moments where you're so embarrassed, but you have to fake that you're not, just in order to to almost hold your respect levels to a certain degree? Because if you delve into own self pity, it gives the people around you more of a reason to delve into the depths of that situation. It gives people around you more of a reason to to lay 
on you the uh, the embarrassment of yourself that you've just made. And I mean, I had too many moments through high school where I, I opened my mouth when I shouldn't have, and and then delved into a, a pity party of embarrassment. And that just gave my friends all the more reason to 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 throw dirt at me and say, "Hey, Tice, that was an embarrassing thing that you just did. Your humiliation to yourself and to our friendship group." I said, "Hey, there's no need to be that, uh, you know." that direct with your feedback. Can't you say it in a more helpful way? They said, Ty, there's no other way to break it to you apart from to tell you that your stories are too long, your jokes are inappropriate, and you really have to offer a little bit of context. I said, hey, this is this is hard to hear as an aspiring stand-up comedian. They said, look, why don't you just end the career right now? I said, stop. This is too much for, for one man to take on right now. And so there's not much, I don't know what else I'll do though. Like if you don't do comedy, which is a, comedy's a, a I'm not a handyman. You know, you have these people come around to your house and they, they fix up the wall. My, one of the most humbling things I've got to experience in the, in the house is, is my wife often, she'll just give someone a call. If there's a hole in the wall, she'll give someone a call because she'll know, I, I just don't want to fix it. I've got no interest. I can if I'm desperate. I had a little, I had a little hiccup moment a couple of weeks ago where my son's got a step up ladder. It gives him the opportunity to stand up next to the bench, but it's always a bit rickety. It looks a bit loose, and I never feel super comfortable with him standing on it. And so he's always, he has so many close calls that my stress levels around him being on this seat, oh, they're already magnified. They're already heightened. And the other day I was in my office. I heard a massive bang. Went out to the kitchen. There's a hole in the wall. Uh, he's on the ground. Just whacked his head. And so I panicked. I picked up this thing, which I thought was 50 bucks from Kmart, took it outside, and I threw it off the, the balcony because I thought, well, we don't need that anymore. If I, if I have kids, and the balconies, are, I say balcony, I think it's a patio. It's a meter and a half high. But, it, I mean, it looked, it looked quite dramatic. As it left my hand, my wife's like, babe, that's $300. And I, it was another moment where you've, you've done something that you know is wrong, but there's no way, you can't backtrack now. You can't backtrack because you've already committed to the act. Like, and it was quite an extreme act, but... I had the justification that if my son's hurt his head, then like it's the least I can do to show him that I care. But all he sees is an angry, violent man. He sees a man in his 30s losing control of his temper and throwing something off a patio in order to deal with that problem. My wife said to me in the heat of the moment, that's no way to deal with, like, uh, to deal with a problem. And I said, look, you're 100% right. <laughs> what else can you say? What are you supposed to say? So I had to eat humble pie, went outside and, and picked up 15 pieces. Beauty was. The thing that worked in my favor was, look, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you guys. My, my wife was the original person who put that together. So naturally, it hadn't been put together well. You know, I don't want to stereotype women as saying you're, you're not handy. But, but I mean, traditionally speaking, we can agree that that's a man's job. You know, if a... Uh, if your wife is putting things together in the house, like if your wife built your house, I mean, how long, how long till the wind picks up, you know, strong enough that it's going to blow over? That's a, I think they call that in 2022 a sexist comment. <laughs> Clearly I'm joking. I'm not a handyman. Well, it's not so clear that I'm joking because uh, there's always some truth behind a joke. And in that joke that I just gave you, I would say there's more than some. Uh, in my perception, I would say that there's a whole heap of truth in that, and we're just not allowed to talk about it anymore. But I brought it back in about 23 places, put it to, it was in about 23 pieces. I put it back together, took it outside. It was rock solid. I said to Jesse, I said, hey, this this pretty much means what you saw happen didn't happen because it's exactly as it was, if not better than before I threw it. 
And she said, that's not how it works. Like the, the fact that your patience levels got so low, your stress levels got so high that you thought the only way to deal with the situation around your son injuring himself is to break the thing which caused the injury. And I said, well, I don't, I don't see a, a fault in that particular equation. That it, seemed, it seems to add up. And she said, you're, you're a despicable man. And I said, hey, that's the second comment that you've made to me, which is negative in the space of 30 seconds, and it's beginning to get quite personal. And she said, if you had a brother, you know, I reckon I would date him before you. I said, well, let's not get caught in hypotheticals because I don't. She didn't say that. I was just uh, I was trying to make the story more interesting because I realized as I got to the end of it, I thought, mm, there's probably not a whole heap there. All I've done is I've revealed a little more of my character than what I probably should have showed you. Because in, a, in an unedited thing like this, you at least have the opportunity to make a couple of efforts, to, make, uh, to edits, to make yourself look like you're a better man than you are. So you could say something like that, edit it out, and go again. And yet here I am, I'm, I'm just breaking open the uh, the secrets of the Popplestone or the Tyson Popplestone household with you now and then. But that's that's the kind of relationship I got with you guys. You you want an honest podcast, don't you? You don't want me, uh, you know, how do I back out of this? I'm here now. I'm here now and there's no way out. It, it's interesting when you've done something and and you try and get your way out of it by saying, like my, my excuse with that chair the other day, I said, well, I threw it, but if I hadn't have thrown it, I wouldn't have brought it back in and, and put it together better than it's it's ever been put together again. Uh, because you want to make a you want to make a mistake and then go oh or you not even necessarily a mistake you want to do something and then go okay I'll just leave that at that but it's uh, an, an article came out I actually saved it for you guys I wanted to read it to you because I thought this was a little bit uh this is a little bit interesting where is it oh, here we <laughs> here we go I can't let me see if I can get this this microphone close enough to the computer for you hear this so this is in uh. Oh, it's not. I haven't got my computer connected to the internet at the moment. But essentially, it's a Canadian policeman uh, doing a press conference. And here, essentially, here's what it said. Canada, Ottawa, police chief. If you're involved in this trucker protest, we're going to actively look to identify you and follow up with the financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely, the investigation will go on for months to come. But here's the thing. I think they've started freezing people's bank accounts who are just... Like there was one story of a lady who gave fifty dollars to the protest, and she's like a she's a minimum wage wage mum that was so grateful for the work that these truckers are doing that uh, she she put fifty bucks in there, and as a result of some emergency powers that have come out, he's like her her bank account's just been frozen now. That's a, uh, I mean if that's not a sale for Bitcoin, what is? Surely, surely that's an opportunity for us to go. All right, well. I wish Elon would tweet about this because the stock market, especially the crypto market, seemed to re- respond incredibly, incredibly powerfully to whatever Elon has to say. I saw him post something about, I think it was Doji the other day. I think that's the right way to say it. I'm not 100, but you know, when you, I'm trying to say it with confidence, but I'm not sure I'm saying the right thing. I think it's Dogecoin, actually. He put out a tweet the other day, just said Doge to the moon, and, and it literally, it just did. It was like it was, like it was connected directly to his uh to his twitter handle i can't imagine having that much power i mean there's there's reasons that not everyone has that much power because with great power comes great responsibility i think he's the quote that accompanies that story quite well and honestly i i think that would just be a perfect way for my own financial interests to be served maybe that's what he's doing i'm not sure but i'd also use it for i'll use it for silly things i think I'll use it to try and get confidence on new out. I'll post photos of myself, say, "Hey, 
Is this a cool outfit? Yes or no? You let me know. Truth can't... That wasn't a very good example. I think Dogecoin's a far better thing because if he's... Not that he needs more money. I mean, when you're paying 200... No, no. I think it was $7 billion of tax that he paid last financial year. Let me, let me check that. Hey, Siri. How much tax did Elon Musk pay last year? Here's what I found. Here we go. Elon Musk courts. Elon Musk says he'll pay more than $11 billion in taxes this year. That's a lot of cash. The thing with $11 billion in taxes that, that I often forget to consider is how much that means you made. Because $11 billion, you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's made $11 billion. But the other side of that is, oh my gosh, he's got a lot. So that, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think he needs the money from Dogecoin. So I think he's just having fun. He's a little bit on the spectrum as well, which makes him a more interesting interesting person to bear. My brother-in-law's on the spectrum. He's, a, he's, he's got Asperger's and he's the most... He's the funniest person to be around because social cues, if you're on the spectrum, social cues just aren't a, they're not one of the, your, your highest strengths, I wouldn't think. I, he came to comedy with me a couple of years ago now. And I remember I had an awesome set. I was up the front, I had the audience laughing along with me and I, I even kept the tape because I tape each one just to, just to see how it go. I like to do a little reflection on the tape and just go, all right, how, how did this play out? And uh, anyway, so I played it back. I thought, Tice, you're, you're on fire here, man. Like that was a, uh, that was incredible. What you what you're creating here is a is a masterpiece, which is a is probably too generous sort of overview of how it actually went. But it, it went well for me, and I remember I got to the end and uh, you know I got a nice round of applause and I got to him, and he goes to me, oh dude, how'd you feel that went? And I was like, mate, how, that was awesome, huh? And he's like, oh yeah, I definitely wouldn't describe it like that. I said, wait, wait, one sec. Okay, you can't. You can't honestly say that didn't go well. I said, mate, I've been doing I've been doing comedy six months at this stage. He goes, oh, it was just, it was awful. I said, what? What are you talking about? It was awful. First of all, how can you say that to a person's face directly? Is there a more is there a more subtle way that you can address the fact that it didn't go to a level that you believed it, it should go? And he goes, no, there's, you may as well just be direct. And he speaks like this. He's very upfront. I come from a family where if there's something wrong, you sugarcoat it and you put it in a nice way until it boils up to a point where you and the person that you're sugarcoating the situation with explodes and you start screaming and yelling. One of you leaves the house for four days. You don't talk. Uh, he comes from a family which, you know, yeah, sure, a little, a little further up on the Asperger's spectrum than my family, but deals with situations far more effectively and with more honesty than I'm used to. And so I uh, I played the tape to Jessie. I said, "Baby, is this good?" She said, oh, "I thought it was. I thought it was funny." Granted, I, I give her a bit of a hard time about being a bit of an Aspie as well. I go, "Sweetie, look, I, like just give me a smile, just a little smile." She goes, "I'll give you a smile if you deserve it." I said, "Just give me a smile because you love me." She goes, "That doesn't seem like a legitimate enough reason." But um, how did I get there? Ah, Elon Musk is on the spec. I had nothing once again. This is uh, tangents and loopholes. Tangents and rabbit holes is 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 where I've found myself today. I get to an end of a point and I go, I'm not 100% sure how we got here. It's only 3 p.m. It's not like it's late at night and my brain has an excuse for allowing this kind of behavior to happen. But uh, uh, do you know people like that? Have you got people in your in your family that they're a little too direct? My uh, 
Yeah, my my mum's side of the family. I won't get into specific details because uh, I don't want to bring any uh, any negative press to the Popplestone family. But my mum's side of the family has two people that, after my nan's funeral, there was an argument about who got the TV. Which is, I mean, I'm from a place called Gippsland. I'm from a place called Trogan, which isn't necessarily known as the classiest place in the world. And so perhaps the fact that there was an argument about two hundred dollar TV should be no surprise. Uh, but there's been a there's been a follow on from that situation where that the argument went so poorly that at the end of the argument the the resolution was let's just not talk again. That funeral now was, or that death was it's 2018, uh, May. So what's that? We're three months away from that being four years. No conversation has ever taken place between those two people again because that's how. You solve arguments in the Popplestone family. Grant, it made it a weird situation when Jesse and I got married because uh, when you solve problems so differently, like my way of my way of effectively solving an argument is just to delete Jesse off Facebook and just going, you know what, the way you treated me was ridiculous. We're not Facebook friends, but uh, there's so much awkwardness which comes into that. Which, like, if you're sitting at the dinner table with your wife and and she goes to check her Facebook and write something on your wall. And realizes that you guys are no longer friends. That's that's awkward because in that situation, I wanted to be upset and just re-add me and have to wait forever for me to, uh, you know, press confirm. But she goes, "Oh, you didn't what? Like, why would you delete me?" I said, "Sweetie, the way you spoke to me was horrific." She's like, "Oh, well, I guess I don't use Facebook that much anyway." I go, "No, no, like, just re-add me. Just re-add me. Watch what happens." She goes, no, "Honestly, she's like, I need a, I need to do a friend call anyway." I go, "Yeah, but we're married." You can't be culling your husband. She goes, no, you deleted me. Technically, you've done me a favor, and you don't like how I'm handling it. I said, okay, look, this is well, this is a little bit of humble pie. I'm going to be honest, but please, just just add me. She goes, I don't I don't need you as a friend on there. I've already got you as a husband. I go, babe, please. So it's awkward when like when your deletion of a person on Facebook turns into a you begging them to be your friend. I mean. I mean, you can't get in any more situations that's more humble than that. I did a thing a few years ago where, for whatever reason, I was going through a phase of minimalism in every area of my life. And one of those areas, I had about 2,500 people on my Facebook page, which I think's going out of business now, isn't it? I've, go to Google. Look, it's February 22nd, 2022, just for context if you're listening to this in the future. Go to Google, type in Facebook share price, and click on the max tab above it. Look what's happened to Facebook over the, the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure at this rate whether or not Facebook's going to be around in a few years' time anyway. So uh, I just wanted to chuck that out there as a little bit of information on the stock market for you. However, there's also a chance that 10 years down the track, this is just going to be like a blip in the whole system and all of a sudden the stock price of a Facebook share is $10,000. And I'm made to look like a fool for even bringing it to your attention. But at this point in time, again, I saw this morning, overnight it dropped, or Friday in America, it dropped like a, I think it was another 1.7%. It just keeps going down. It dropped 26% the other day because they reported that for the first time in Facebook's existence, the user count had dropped and people started to panic and people started to speculate and people started to assume. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what goes on there, but essentially what I'm saying is maybe it won't matter so much that, that Jesse deleted me. But years ago, yeah, I went through this phase of minimalism. And during this phase of minimalism, started deleting just two and a half thousand friends. I thought, let's just get as close to zero as we can. But then I thought, that's not an effective way to keep in touch with your friends. Like if this is a place where you're actually wanting to communicate with your friends, why don't you... That's what it was. I deleted them. I thought, let's see who I miss. But the problem was people take it so personally when you delete them from... Facebook, that if you delete them, they don't know the context of why you do it. They don't know that uh, your re-adding of them is actually, uh, you know, it's almost an exclamation mark next to the fact that you 
you miss them as a friend, you want them back, you've realized in their absence that there's a hole in your life which is the same shape as them. And you need them back. And you want them back. And without them, your life is just not, it's not a complete pie. You know what I mean? It's like a pie without the meat. It's just a pastry. And so you add them, trying to get that pastry back into your life, that low fat, yet delicious pastry. And then you go to check to see if they've been requested and uh, you've been accepted. And, and they've clearly clicked deny based on the fact that the ad friend option still exists. I had a few people like this. It was 2017. And I remember going through and trying to re-add a whole heap of people that I deleted because I was gone through minimalism. And they didn't know that. They just thought that I got sick of them, then missed them. And then the problem is when you re-request them, the power is in their hands. You can't be, you gotta, you got to go at it with more confidence than that. You need to go at it with more confidence th th than what I did. Because if you're deleting a friend, you've got to be sold that you no longer need that person. You a Facebook cull is an execution of a friend for life, I'm pretty sure. Unless that person's incredibly forgiving or has a really short memory. Or just has a reasonable amount of, you know, common sense and understands that, you know, the story that you're telling them makes sense about why it is that you got rid of them. But for whatever reason, I mean, hey, you unfriend me and I see that I don't pay a lot of attention. I don't log on to it anymore. So I'm probably not the best uh, the best person to talk to about Facebook re-ads. But it's a, it's a sensitive topic. Have you noticed how sensitive that is? I mean, everyone seems to have a story about uh, a Facebook loss. I still take it personally. I logged onto Instagram the other day and went to a went to message a friend that uh, that I hadn't spoken to for a little while. And I thought, hey, well, I wonder if we're okay. And and so the way that you measure the health of a friendship at the moment is finding out whether that person still follows you on Instagram. I think, or you don't pay attention to it because you're uh, you're not so conceited and vain and self-conscious that you need to make sure that person still follows you as a as a sign or as a token of your friendship. And yet here I was looking at that person and uh, you notice pretty quickly I'd been deleted. I've been chucking out some controversial stuff, though. If you're a... It's not that controversial in the sense that not a lot of people agree with it. It's controversial in the sense that um, it's probably a little bit too personal towards some people in the political world these days. But it's hard not to. Too many of my mates lost their job. And as a result, I start firing up for them. I've got a mate. How's this one for you? So I, I've been celebrating the fact that COVID in Victoria, where I, where I live in, a, in Australia, is a, is making some really good progress. Now, I spoke to a mate the other day. His dad had brain cancer 18 months ago. Went and got surgery. No sign of cancer. Celebrations. Really happy. Anyway, over about two weekends ago, my mate went down to spend time with his family and uh, when he was there, realized his dad was out of whack. His dad was acting strange. didn't seem like his dad. He was back to bed every half an hour for three hours. And it was just a, he said it was a strange experience. And and as a part of that strange experience, he said to his mum, mum, this is not right. We've got to get dad back to hospital. You might have got used to this kind of this kind of lifestyle, but dad's, uh, he's out of whack. And so he went to, uh, his mum took him to the hospital the guy had another brain scan. In terms of health, he's not looking great. He was in hospital for five nights, but how's this? Uh, so he's in hospital awaiting a brain scan, which just quietly took, I think it took three days for him to get, which is not ideal when you've been diagnosed with brain cancer in the in the past. You're like, ideally, you'd like to get that on top of that one pretty quickly, I think. And, uh, and he wasn't allowed visitors while he's there because COVID. So he's in hospital five days all alone. Brain cancer, potentially the problem. And no visitors. 
I'm not sure. But today the international borders open and we're told that the uh, the MCG or the football here in Australia is allowed to have maximum crowd participation during round one, which is a couple of months away, which uh, I don't know. I don't know how the, uh, the, the science doesn't quite add up, does it? But we've been saying this for 18 months. And I'm not a scientist, but it seems you don't need to be anymore as long as you've got a passionate opinion, which I do. A pit, did I just say a pitching? I don't even know what an opinion is. I've got to get my brain checked. I'm telling you, there's been a couple of slip-ups today. It's been a slippery, slidey, windy podcast. And hopefully all going well. I mean, we've just got the first half done. Watch this second half just explode in a better way, in a more in a more positive way. You're going to finish this podcast and be like, man, that was, a, that was enlightening. That was an enlightening chat. But I don't know. What do you make of that? I guess everything pales at the moment uh, in, in comparison to what's going on in Canada. Uh, I'm disappointed to see the truckers are going home. I'm disappointed to see that a couple of them have, uh, have, been, have been shut up. I feel like what's happening in Canada at the moment is a little bit like what happened in Australia about eight months ago. There's a, there's a real swing for some extra power. And as a result of that extra power coming into place, you, you're starting to see some real videos on Instagram where you go, oh, this doesn't look great. That's, that's surely not how things are supposed to do. That's not how it's supposed to be. Anyway, I'm not sure. Let's get to a lighter note. Let's talk about something that uh, I personally haven't been enjoying this year. However, in the past, I'm going to be honest, there's been a couple of episodes which I've, uh, I've stumbled into temporarily and hadn't made my way out till the end of the season nine months later, and nine weeks later, I should say. And that is Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight is a, uh, it is a despicable show, just like all reality TV shows, despite Date Island or Love Island, Love Island's a fantastic concept and I think should be celebrated by men and women all over the country. However, Married at First Sight is, I'm not sure, it's questionable. It's the only show in the Western world where you can celebrate an arranged marriage. Have you got, have you got Married at First Sight wherever you are? So essentially what it is, you get 10 participants or 20 participants, 10 couples, uh, the women haven't been able to find a partner or they're divorced or they're widowed. Same story for the men. And then these these evil judges, evil judges with a, with a high degree of narcissism, I'm going to say, and a developing confidence over the course of the seasons come in with their expert opinions on how the relationships will work, why they've matched the pairs together. But you know, underneath everything they're saying is, look, 90% of these couples have been paired together because of the entertainment that's going to come out of them. There's going to be violence. There's going to be lawsuits because a man's bashed a woman. That's not allowed on this show. However, it does make good viewing. So if this guy has got a history in domestic violence and he's really trying to prove to himself and everyone else that he can break through, find love and a happy relationship with a very lucky woman, it only takes you know one choker hold until we see, well, first of all, the ratings are through the roof, but second of all, uh, he still needs a little bit more psychological work until these things. Uh, uh, you know, the thing is with with domestic violence is it's obviously it's frowned upon, it's disgusting. I'm not endorsing it by any means, obviously. However, if it brings a million viewers to your TV show, I mean, there's some areas where things are accepted more so than they are in mainstream society. And and married at first sight, I think it's the only thing that we've stolen off an Islamic culture and really celebrated, which is a it's a controversial thing here to say, but uh, a lot of white guys aren't allowed to talk about any other culture but their own because apparently we are, you know, we, we, we never have a problem. We never have any health issues. We never have any depression. All white men 
obviously come from exactly the same background, so they shouldn't be able to help, shouldn't be able to comment on anything that's going on around the world. And this is one of those situations. And so uh, here we are, me commenting on it anyway. But I can't help but think, like, can you imagine? So, like, in which other context is an arranged marriage still celebrated apart from Australia? I'm married at first sight. I don't know because I spoke to some friends the other day. I just said, hey, do you agree with like a, a arranged marriages in Iran? And they go, oh, no, it's horrible. That's a despicable thing. You can't be celebrating an arranged marriage, not in 2022. People deserve the right to choose. People deserve the freedom to be able to say, hey, this is for me or it's not for me. People deserve the right to be able to choose who it is they spend the rest of their life with. And you go, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And then you go, hey, do you watch Married at First Sight? And they go, of course. What a beautiful show. They got to for no in fairness, no one's ever said that it's a beautiful show. It's a disgusting show, and the truth is, I've I've never heard someone speak about Married at First Sight with like a high degree of sincerity. We it's a gossip magazine in real time. That's what it is. If you watch Married at First Sight, you've got to understand it's a gossip magazine in real time. Perhaps that's part of the allure. A few years ago, I watched it, got caught up in it, loved it. Even me these days, I went up there the other day and I thought, okay, I can't quite do it. This is. It's a, it's a little bit too forward. You've got the you've got the intimacy week where, look, I, I'm going to be honest. I know a lot of details about the show based on the fact that the TV's upstairs, but I can still hear it from time to time. All right, I'm not a, I'm not a married at first sight addict. I'll tell you if I was, I'd open up to you, I'd confess. However, after years of experience and years of commitment to the show, I do understand on a weekly basis what's going on. Last week was intimacy week. And that's where, after these people have known each other four days, they sit down with a group of judges, and one of the judges, who's a sex judge or something, um, she's the one. She's got she's got very big calves. I feel like she should stop sitting cross-legged on the couch because it's just she's got a beautiful face, but the the cross-legged thing just doesn't do any favors. But we're not here to body shame or fat shame. We're here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate relationships and everything that it is, apart from the arranged part of it. She'll come out and she'll go now. Tell me, how is the intimacy part of the? of the relationship and they go what do you mean she go oh are you having sex are you getting it on are you getting some action did she walk around with a g-string arm backwards for you <laughs> i'm not sure i think she's i think she's south american or i'm not sure it sounds like she's got a little bit of a, a, a spanish twang in her accent i know i probably haven't done justice to the fact that she's spanish and then the people go yeah look uh, we had sex last week but i was on my period and everyone else in the room goes wait and you, you ventured into that with, with a smile on your face? He goes, well, it wasn't necessarily a smile on my face, but it was, a, uh, it was an experience. It was an experience. And then, uh, and then other couples come out and go, oh, how's your sex life going? And they go, it's not. And then you say, why? And the guy goes, because I'm not attracted to her. And then they say, why? And he goes, because she's Asian. And you go, wait, what? You can't say that. And that was a conversation that took place on Married at First Sight. One one of the questions that they had to answer, a girl goes, hey, do you find me attractive? And he said, no. And she said, why not? And he goes, because you're Asian. And I thought, whoa. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. As a popplestone, uh, I've got a high degree of appreciation for the Asian look. I really, if I was a single man, which I'm not, nor do I plan to be, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out chasing a pretty little Asian lady. I've got a. I've got an appreciation for that look. Do you know what I mean? I've got a little appreciation for it. But um, but this guy, he wasn't a fan. He wasn't a fan. So I'm not a hundred percent sure about a show like that. It's hard to know where it fits in in the acceptability character, especially in woke culture, where where we're celebrating uh, like we're celebrating all the freedoms that women now have. 
uh, and now we've gone full 360. I feel like we're watching a live episode of the Old Testament in the Bible where Moses is conducting a wedding and he's saying, hey, look, um, I know you don't know this person. You don't know his history. You don't know his background. And you don't know how many times he's been to jail, but it should be it should be okay. And if it's not, work through it because that's what marriage is. See, this is the maybe that's the difference. They they do everything the same as an arranged marriage, apart from they have the freedom to leave. Maybe that's the exception to the rule. I think in Iran, it's like okay, once it's been arranged, we're not really big on the paperwork. We're not huge on the admin side of things. Don't make us come back here to straighten things out again. Because truth is, we didn't want to be here the first time. I think. I think from a practical level, an arranged marriage is a good thing based on the fact, I know a number of people who have been married three times now. And if you think about three weddings, I think the average wedding cost today is, I think it's about sixty or $70,000. Let's say sixty, just to err on the side of caution. Say you've gone you've gone in a little undervalue. Say you've just gone in, you've spent 40. Three weddings, it's 120 grand. That's a, uh, that's a real decent house deposit. So I don't know. I think from a financial perspective, you can understand why it is that they're not uh, they're not huge fans of the uh, of the multiple weddings. I'm not sure. Maybe the Iranians are onto something. Here we lack a little bit of commitment. I think. I think here we lack a, a, a little bit of commitment. You know, you you're going through a bit of a rough patch in your marriage. If me and my wife divorced every time we went through a rough patch, we would have been divorced 127 times this year. And it's only February the 22nd, I think. And, and 121, you know what? I'm going to be honest, 122 of those are initiated by me because I'm a hard man to deal with. I'm a prima donna is what they call it. I spend too much time in the, I, I'm worried about the, the moisturizer I use. I want my hair to look good. Though today it doesn't look as good as it could. We give up too early. I I, I had a couple of mates who, were, I had one mate in particular. I said, oh, what'd you divorce for? He goes, oh, we just don't get on anymore. I'm like, that's. That's what all marriages. Have you ever seen a bloke who's been married for 60 years? They, a lot of them, like there's exceptions to the rule. I'm intending to be an exception to the rule. I love my wife. She's fantastic. I genuinely like being around her. She, I'm pretty sure she genuinely does. I joke about it. I'm pretty sure she likes being around me. 80% of the time I'll say she enjoys being around me, slightly less during lockdown. But you get 60 years in and there's just like a... There's a certain level of understanding. You're almost on the same wavelength. You don't have to use tone of voice as effectively as you did when you first got together. And so many people go, oh, you know, she just doesn't like me anymore. The way she talks to me isn't respectable. I was like, that's because you've been together for 10 years. <laughs> that's all part of the pattern. That's how it's supposed to be. She's not supposed to like you as much, I don't think. I don't, but, but don't, I've been married now for 11 years. I've been married now for 11 years, which is, uh, which is really exciting. Hey, here's some news for you. Actually, I can't tell you just yet. It's too early. I feel like I'm giving massive, hey, she's pregnant vibes to you right now. So I'll rule that out. I can't completely rule it out. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. That's exactly what it is. But but look, she's in the early stages. And uh, I think she's I think she's 10 weeks or so. This is my problem. So I, I call it too early. 2017, uh, I started telling people at four weeks. Then she had a miscarriage. And two years later, people were like, hey, how's your kid? And I was like, oh, we haven't seen each other for a while. This is an awkward conversation to have. So you've got to be careful when you're coming out with information like that. And yet here I am on the Pop Culture Podcast breaking it to you first. She's pregnant. <laughs> Maybe. It's... Uh... Am I going to have to edit that part out of the podcast? We'll we'll wait and see. I'm not sure. It just has to... We're almost at the 12-week mark. We're getting close, so you may as well just call it. Anyway, 
At least, at least marriages. I mean, marriages go through their phases, but at least marriages that even go through their phases aren't as bad as as the phases that some people go through. Have you heard about that bestiality? Have you heard about how people have attraction for for not just other people, but for animals? I've heard about that, and uh, I've heard about it more than I would like to hear about it. I got caught up talking to a, a comedian in Melbourne the other day, and he was telling me he was telling me a lot of information. I wanted him to stop, but I kept asking questions. It was a really strange predicament to find myself in. I would say, why are you telling me this? And he goes, because you keep asking leading questions. I go, like what? He said, well, can you explain? He goes, you just asked me to explain it to you in great detail. I said, well, that's a, you know, that's one example that you have. And uh, I, I never understand that. Sure, that's a mental, that's a mental thing. Like, I'm not 100% sure. Um, like maybe that's the next series, Married at First Bite. <laughs> like, you match a partner with a dog of the other. No, we should never normalize that kind of stuff. Though we have... We have seen things in our culture which were once considered not normal become normal. Like it was only a little while ago that, that like a gay relationship was seen as, you know, inappropriate and unacceptable. So who knows where we'll be in the next 10 years. But to make that comparison is a despicable thing because two humans and a human and an animal are very, very different things. But here's the thing. I stopped watching porn back in 2008, but I always had, I had rules on the porn that I watched. Like, at least I had a little bit of class about the porn that I watched. 2008 was the year that my wife and I got together, so I thought, oh, I'm going to have to get on top of this habit. This isn't this isn't good. Because it was a little habit. It was just like one of those things where if you had a spare 20 minutes, you go, oh, I have a little sneak peek. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're, if you're just home alone, you go, oh, I have a little sneak peek. If you're on the backseat of the bus by yourself, you go, oh, I'll just have a little, you know, we've got time here. I've got a spare pair of socks. No, <laughs> that never happened. Not on the school bus. It was, the, uh, it was like a local bus that... That I went, no, that's it. What a, predic- what a ridiculous thing. But I had limits on what was acceptable. It always, the rule was, it had to be two people or two animals. You can't start, you could never start mixing the two. You know? That's a despicable thing to say, isn't it? That's a joke that I'm, that's the first time I said it out loud and it felt so funny. I feel like that's got, that's got so much potential. I did this joke at comedy the other night, which you, you guys got to tell me if you think this is funny. I, I'm really proud of this one. I said, hey, um, so my wife's been struggling over the last couple of years with leaky gut. So in case you don't know, leaky gut is where the lining of your stomach at wears so thin that some of the things that go into your stomach actually gets leaked out into your bloodstream. I said it was a, a real problem for Jessie because obviously... Uh, like she had it to such a degree that, that we were starting to worry that her fertility, her ability to bear children or raise children was in doubt. But but just, uh, you know, 10 weeks ago, we found out she was pregnant. So it turns out that the night that uh, our, our little kid was conceived, we didn't even have sex. She just gave me a blowjob. So it turns out the leaky gut, it's not completely, it's not completely healed. And uh, I was happy with it. I don't feel like I delivered to you in the way that I could have. I feel like just that. I get lazy when I'm not on stage. But be honest, is that funny? Look, I'm looking you in the eyes right now. Tell me, is that a funny joke? Sure, it's despicable. I get that. But every now and then, you've got to toe the line. You've got to see what the audience is okay with and what they're disgusted by. And I'm going to be honest, that one got a big laugh, but it also got quite a few groans. And... Uh, and both are acceptable responses to me. I don't always need laughs on stage. If I get a if I get a groan, which is the appropriate reaction to whatever it is that I've just said, I'm I'm happy with that. I'll take it. A a whole stand up set full of groans is is not what I'm after. You know, it sounds like me in the first couple of years that I started having sex. There was just groans. There's just disappointment everywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if there's a couple of groans. 
just thrown in there at the right time. Only in comedy. You don't want to hear groans when you're having having sex, I don't think. Unless it's with a bear. <laughs> I told you I'd be on fire in the second half. Here we are. It just took a little while to find my feet today. I had to try and um I don't know. I had to just try and I had to try and wiggle my way through it. I've I've realised recently I'm a uh, I'm a terrible a terribly unphotogenic person. I think I'm better looking in real life. I think I think that's the vibe that I give off. I see. I mean, I still look pretty good in a lot of photos. I'm going to be fair. I've got one in my lounge room which I I look at and I thought, man, you could submit that to any magazine, and they might not accept it, but they would. Uh, you could submit it to them. Which is which is different to a lot of my my photos because the truth is a lot of the photos that I take I've got this reputation of just looking surprised in all the photos that I take I don't get why I don't know what it is but always in a photo I'm like this I look like I was not expecting that photo to be taken the other day I said to him I go can we take a selfie I took the selfie and I looked so shocked that the photo was taken that even he couldn't believe it he goes mate you you understand you were the one pressing the pressing the actual what's it called on a on your phone like pressing the little button that takes the photo. I go, mate, look, don't don't bring me down. This is something I'm already self-conscious about. He goes, look at you. You look like you've seen a ghost. He goes, it looks like you were you were in a place that had no cameras. There were no cameras allowed. And someone just whipped one out and pulled it up to your face and pressed the button. And that was that was your response. He goes, you had, we had the 10-second timer on. You had a 10-second timer to get ready for this photo. And you look utterly amazed. I don't know. It's funny the um the camera thing is the camera thing's funny because some people in real life aren't that pretty, but you see a photo of them, you go, oh my gosh, that's quite incredible. And then the opposite is true. Some people look great in real life. Look at me trying to look at me trying to put myself in the category of people that actually looks great in real life, but but on, on camera doesn't quite quite do it justice. I'm saying this for those of you who listen from overseas or interstate and you haven't seen me face to face. I want you to know that the visual side of this podcast that you might be watching right now, it's not an accurate look. I'm far better in real life. I'm not sure if the same thing's true for video to be fair. So maybe uh maybe this is just what I'm working with. Jesse Jesse made a good point to me the other day. She goes, babe, I'd much rather be photogenic than good looking in real life. And I said, well unfortunately you you're not. And she said, hey, what a horrible thing to say to your wife. And I said, I'm just being honest. She goes, sometimes You've got to shut up. And I said, let's just make that 123 things that we've been on the rocks about this year. And she goes, done. We get over it quickly, though. But she said to me, she goes, yeah, because the thing is, she goes, if, if you're hot in a photo, then then you're hot in that photo for all time. So you can get to 80 years old and you go, look, I know I look like this now, but when I was 25 years old, look at what I look like. And the 25-year-old guy that you're showing it to in that time can go, wow, that's... Uh, that's quite nice. Whereas if you're just good looking in real life and you get to 81 years old and you've got no photos, people look at the photos and you go, oh, so you were always an ugly person. You go, no, I wasn't. I wasn't always an ugly person. I actually was, I was incredibly handsome. I was incredibly fantastic looking. And, uh, and they say, but I guess you've got no evidence. And I say, well, I don't. And they say, well, isn't evidence the, the most important thing in trying to prove your point? I say, well, in a lot of, in a lot of canaries, Kinesis? In a lot of scenarios, in a lot of cases, that's true. In this one, I think you just need to take my word for it. And they say, well, you know, I'm going to call you a liar. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're a, if you're, if you're an average, like I'm, I'm not great at taking photos, but I'm good at running. So there's, there's things that people are good at where, 
I'm very mediocre at, at taking photos. Do you know what I mean? So if I just go on, if I just go and stand with a group of people who are, they might be, they might be dwarfs, they might be fat, they might be incredibly ugly. In that photo, I'll at least look like middle of the range in the looks department. I'll at least look like I fit in. Whereas, uh, you know, if I stand next to another six foot bloke, he's going to look better than me. No, regardless, regardless, he might have no front teeth and somehow make himself look better at me. But that's the thing. You, you got to figure out where your lane is. You got to figure out what you're good at. And this is why it's an exciting time for males all around the world at the moment. Because have you noticed how many men are dominating women's sport? And here's the thing: it, you can dominate women's sport as a man who identifies as a woman now, if you're just a mediocre male athlete. Do you know I, I ran three forty nine for fifteen hundred meters in two thousand and I think it was two thousand and twenty one. No, no, sorry, two thousand eleven. 2011, I ran 3.49. That's a world record for females. So here's the thing. Right now, I'm not at my fittest, but the best female athletes in the world are running like 3.54. Give me 12 months. I reckon I... 18 months, call it. I reckon if you gave me 18 months, I could run 3.54. That would make me competitive for an Olympic gold medal in a women's event. And we're seeing this now. So guys, I want to give you some hope. Fellas, are you struggling in your area? Are you an athlete who's not being able to match it with the best times in the world? Are you a swimmer who can't swim amongst the best men in the world? Are you a UFC fighter who would like to win some more fights? Here is a wonderful solution. Identify as a woman. You are going to be a standout. You're going to cop some negative press. You're going to get some disappointment. You're going to have some people like me looking at you going, hmm... I'm not 100% sure if this is acceptable. But it doesn't matter, because you know why? Winning is everything. That's why as a five-year-old kid, if my foot went over the long jump mat when I was at Tarelgan Little Athletic Center and my mum was standing at the side, if my foot went over and I was disqualified, I said to my mum, hey, mum, I quit. Because I had a long-term vision for competing in women's sports. As a five-year-old, I realized that if I just quit the event that I was in, there was an opportunity for growth. You know, not literally speaking, because in a lot of cases, growth is the last thing that ha In fact, there's a reduction. I'm speaking about penis size right now. I'm speaking about... Do you know, I made a joke about a penis yesterday. It was so embarrassing. So I met this I met this chick for, not the first time, but I hadn't seen her for a long time. We caught up with her husband, caught up with their two kids. This is too... I, I should have told you this before. This is the same group of friends that I was with. So it was just after the Chihuahua call. I had a... So I was sitting with Joash and we saw this girl, Zoe her name is, lovely girl, and uh, we are sitting down having a nice uh, adult conversation, speaking about very respectable things, children, lunch, family, and uh, and Joash said, hey Tyce, are you going to have a swim after lunch? I said, yeah, I will. And he goes, ah, oh, I can't wait to see your nipples. Now for context of... My nipples are, like, especially when I get cold, the uh, the actual dot part of the nipples are quite puffy. So I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. I think I get it from my poppy Bill. I saw him on a cold morning with his shirt off years ago and was mind-blown, like a man from the Mentos ad. It was, it was both intimidating, scary, and a little bit, a little bit, you know, you just, there's some things in your granddad you don't want to see. And uh, he goes, oh, and, and then he went on to explain to this girl, Zoe, he goes, oh, yeah, because Tice has incredibly big nipples. And I thought, I can't leave it there. I said, yeah, but Zoe, don't worry. I also have an incredibly large penis. And she said, look, um, she gave a polite laugh, but I could tell she didn't like it. She was a respectable woman. 
And you can't, you're not supposed to speak like that around women, especially women you just met. She doesn't know me from a bar of soap. And I'm telling her about my penis size over lunch. They were eating, they were, they were literally eating sausages at the time. So it couldn't have been more, uh, it couldn't have been more funny in my mind. But it's, it's, it's hard when you say something you think is funny and you look around the table and you realize no one's, no one else is laughing. That's, uh, that's called humble pie. But I also see that as training for bombing, which is, um, you know, I think it's an important thing to have. Hey, before we go, good news. Look at this. The Australian Bureau of Statistics have some, have released some very interesting data this week. Look at this. Starting to be published on mainstream media. We've been talking about this for months now. We've been talking about this for months on the Pop Culture Podcast because this is exactly where you come for your breakthrough stories. All right, Channel 9 News Melbourne. Mainstream media. Not a respectable source of media, but mainstream nonetheless. More than 91% of COVID deaths recorded in Australia have occurred in people who have had one or more other health issue new data has revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been saying that for months. Now, if you are questioning where to get your news, I would like to remind you that it is February. In December, maybe earlier, we've been saying, look, the truth is when it comes to COVID, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that come into play. Is there not? Is there not a lot of factors that come into play when we're speaking around COVID? One of those factors is do you only have one lung? Are you 112? Are you morbidly obese? Can you get through your front door without a crane having to remove your roof to take you out? If so, you should be okay. If so, you should be okay. Anyway, not 100% sure what to say about that, but uh, it's it's one, you just got to say, I told you so, really, but that's arrogant, so you can't say, I told you so, but here, here's the problem. I'm starting to realize that everything conspiracy theorists have said the whole way through this process, I think it's just been tick, 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 <laughs> tick, tick, tick. So if you want to go and get some really accurate information, follow the path of the conspiracy theorists. I think that's all you can say. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I would have liked you to, I would have liked to take this podcast out on a higher note than that. But that's I mean, it's pretty positive. So if you're afraid of if you're afraid of COVID, that's some good news. My mum's still a bit scared of. I go, "Hey, look at this. You should be fine." I know I took it like a bitch, but you'll be good. <laughs> you'll be I took it like a bitch for a day. I've got to stop saying that. I took it like a bitch for a day, day 2 I was back almost. I was back almost. Day 4 I was 100%. Day two and three, I was still a little bit sniffly, but I've always had a reputation for being a bitch when it comes to man cults. So, I mean, I'm probably not the part of the prime candidate to uh, to judge how severe that case was because my wife got it a couple of days off me, and she was she was actually fine. She was in bed for half a day watching Married at First Sight. I don't judge her for it, uh, but it is disappointing that there's uh, there's not more intellectual focus in our spare time in the Popplestone household. But um, hey, anyway, that was pop culture number. What are we up to? It must be like thirty. 37 or something. I hope you're enjoying it. That's 37 hours of high-quality content coming at you from the Pop Culture Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday afternoon. I'll play you out some music if we had some. Uh, actually, I'll put it on just at the end. Goodbye and good luck until next week. Mm-hmm.